give me poverty or riches, but keep me in a posture of dependence. Never allow me where I fail to recognize that I need you every hour of my life. Keep me in a place so that I will never forget that you are my only source of help and hope and provision and guidance and strength. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we continue our year in review. This message from H.B. Charles Jr. takes us all the way back to the month of May as we look at our study in the book of Proverbs. A proverb a day in May keeps the doctor away. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but still, stay tuned for us with the many great voices, including Margie Tripp, who was one of our guests this past year at a conference on Cape Cod talking about training up a child in the way they should go. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. As I continue to look back over the course of this year, I'm, I'm reminded of all of the amazing things that have happened in the various studies that we've had. Obviously, every year we, we try to emphasize a proverb a day in May, encouraging you to study the book of Proverbs. You can do so on a daily basis because there's 31 chapters and uh, there's 31 days in the month of May. But you could also apply that to just about every month of the year. Although you might get a little bit uh, crammed up at the end of the year, the hope is that you won't get caught up or or distracted. Whatever you do, whatever you find yourself, if you have a calendar in front of you and everyone's got one on their phone, all you got to do is look and see what is today's date and read that corresponding proverb. If you do that enough, you will uh, be richly blessed as you grow in wisdom and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. But more importantly, this is something that we want to pass on to the next generation. We want to encourage them to hide God's word in their heart and to grow in understanding. And in fact, Proverbs was written for that intention. It was written for young adults, young children growing into adulthood. As they start to develop that abstract mind, Proverbs provides for them a sound basis to build their life upon. And we also had the privilege this last year in May to have Margie Tripp, along with her husband Ted Tripp, come and speak at a conference here on Cape Cod. And I think Margie's book and and her message that she gave at that conference was absolutely incredible and right on the nose of everything that many of our listeners are dealing with, how many of their children and their grandchildren have walked away from the faith. Her book is called It's Not Too Late, Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. It's an excellent resource and one that we would love to get into your hands. You can find out a little bit more about that after this. But now we turn to my interview with Margie Tripp from earlier this year as I asked her about that pressing conversation, how there are so many people, so many apostates, so many people walking away from the faith. And it is a concern that many of you, our listeners, have. Here is Margie Tripp about her book, It's Not Too Late. Well, I believe that one of the reasons is that uh, as parents, we need to take our walk with the Lord seriously. Uh, our children, we we give, let me put it this way, we give God a reputation. When children are very young, we tell our children what God is like, that he's kind and he's loving and uh, that he forgives our sins. And they believe us. They believe with the credulity of a child. 
as they grow older as i said they they realize there's there are other people out there uh who are nice people who are good people who are smart people and if we are not living consistently not perfectly certainly but by grace living consistently uh in in christ-like ways if we're not acknowledging our sin when we fail and uh assuring our children that we have we've asked god for forgiveness and we're coming to ask them please forgive mom i i was frustrated and angry with you and i spoke to you in unkind ways if we don't have that kind of humility and transparency and sincerity our children don't really believe that christian faith is a way as a a way of living that is exciting and uh and renewing they rather see it just as another failed attempt so i think for parents recognizing that we give god a reputation if we want to see our children uh, embracing god as their for with their own living faith and in Christ and Christian faith we need to be people who are seeking God who are knowing God who are uh living in humility before our children now that doesn't save our kids only the grace of the gospel saves our kids so prayer is a is an incredibly important element of our lives with our children praying with them praying for them uh praying for ourselves uh but having lives that are distinctly set apart uh from the world and that clearly outline for our children what it means to be a child of God is incredibly important. Hmm. I I like what you were pointing out there that there are certain things that you can do that are very much environment and creating a surrounding place for people, uh, for your children that will help uh, allow for the opportunity, the environment to teach them about Christ. Uh, but it really is about grace. Uh, it is it is about what God is doing in their hearts and lives, and that's why prayer is so important. And uh, st- looking at these studies and the statistics about how kids walk away from church, they also talk about the things that keep kids in church, and they're all those environment things. They're you know the parents that have meals at least five days a week with their family, and and all these things. Those are so off course for the main point and, and shepherding a, a heart which is really the foundation of your ministry it doesn't just allow you to say well let's create the right environment it tells the parents what they can actually be doing to get to the heart of the matter which is really the most important thing about their children yeah uh, in instructing a child's heart which is a book that ted and i wrote together uh there is a, a chapter on the church and when when you just mentioned uh the young people leaving the church it reminded reminded me of this very often parents uh parents uh interact with their church experience in ways i think that are very discouraging to children about the life of the church because you can go to church and sing lustily uh through the hymns and listen to the sermons but if on the way home you're disparaging the pastor and the elders and finding fault with your sisters and brothers in Christ you are 
you are saying to your children, the church is not a viable institution for you to give yourself to, for you to grow in, for you to love and to invest in. And I think as parents, it goes back to uh, us giving God a reputation. We need to, we need to uh, live in our homes in ways that highlight the beauties of being God's child. Of course, there are going to be failures, but when there are failures, we need to acknowledge them and interact honestly about them. We've been listening to my interview with Margie Tripp from earlier this year. Her book is called It's Not Too Late, Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. As important as it is for us to emphasize raising up children and even starting them off early in teaching them the foundations of our faith, the reality is many of our listeners are dealing with teenagers and adult children who have already rebelled and already walked away from the faith. This is one of the best resources I can think of recommending, and one that when we had our conference with Margie and Ted Tripp back in May, uh, we could not stock enough of these books. Everyone wanted a copy because it is such a vital conversation to have. If you want to find out more information about this book and find others that are great resources, especially with Christmas around the corners, you can do all of your Christmas shopping early. Give us a call, 508-362-7070. And if you'd like to see the sessions with Margie and Ted Tripp from our conference back in May, we have them available on our website. So check us out at songtime.com. Well, today we are continuing our year in review, and looking back on the month of May, we'll share a message from H.B. Charles Jr. from our series, A Proverb a Day in May, as he takes us to the book of wisdom and teaching us how to honor God with every gift he has given us. Here is H.B. Charles Jr. Proverbs 37 through 9 reads, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. These verses record the wise prayer of a weak man. You can learn a lot about a person simply by listening to him or her pray. And I want to introduce you today to a man named Agur by way of the prayer that he prays in the verses I have just read. This prayer teaches us to address before God the spiritual weaknesses in our lives that either block or detour the pursuit of godliness in our lives. Consider first that this prayer teaches us in its invocation to pray with humble submission. Agur says, two things I ask of you. Agur asked God for what he needed and wanted in his life. He did not tell God what to do. He did not claim any promises. He did not try to use his faith to manipulate God to produce his desired reality. He simply asked God. God for what he wanted. And this is how you and I ought to pray, friends, with humble submission, not arrogant presumption. But also we see in this invocation that we should pray with spiritual priorities. You will note here that Agar does not pray about 
vain, trivial, superficial things. His prayer is weighted down with the gravity of eternity. As he prayed about his life, Agar was thinking about his death. We should pray recognizing that life is short and death is sure and eternity is coming. We should, as Jesus teaches us, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, knowing that all the other things we are tempted to worry about will then be fully supplied by the Lord. Furthermore, this invocation teaches us to pray with godly wisdom. Of course, James 1 and 5 tells us we can ask God for wisdom, but I believe this prayer also teaches us that we should pray with wisdom. It is apparent that Agar processed things in organized lists. Our text is the first and shortest of six such lists that we find in Proverbs 30. And in this list, we find Agar's prayer list, where he apparently first thought about the things that he wanted to ask God for in prayer and only came up with two things. If you were to make a list of the things you want God to do in your life before you die, how long would your list be? On one hand, he asked God to remove from his life anything that would block his pursuit of godliness. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. This first petition reminds us that a commitment to truth is essential for the development of a godly life. Remove it, but remove it far away from me. When you remove it, don't allow it to stay too close because I may go get it or it may come back and get me. And so, Lord, when you remove it, remove it far away from me. He prays first that God would remove from him anything that would block his pursuit of godliness. But then he secondly teaches us to pray that God would not give us anything that would detour us from the path of godliness. Give me neither poverty nor riches. There's a twofold concern here. Don't let me be poor. And Scripture does not say one has to be poor in order to be godly. Jesus just says in Matthew 6 and 24, no one can serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. The concern is the attitude of the heart. And here, Agar says, Lord, do not let me be poor. Then he says, do not, don't let me be rich. He acknowledges that either one he gets comes from God. Our hope is that in every detail of life, sunshine and rain, blessings and sorrows, God has everything under control. And then he prays the same thing in positive terms. Still in verse 8, he says, feed me with the food that is needful for me. One translation renders it this way, give me only my daily bread. Do not give me poverty or riches, but keep me in a posture of dependence. Never allow me to get to a place where I fail to recognize that I need you every hour of my life. Keep me in a place so that I will never forget that you are my only source of help and hope and provision and guidance and strength. 
He says, I don't want riches because I may become full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Remember in Deuteronomy 8, Moses reminds the children of Israel not to forget God when you get into the land of promise, when you're filled with blessings. Don't forget when you were in the wilderness how God took care of you, how the soles of your shoes never ran out and the hems of your garments never ran out. I think this is the sense that, that Agar is speaking here. Do not forget God when life gets good. But then note that there is a peril in poverty as well. He says, Lord, don't let me be poor because I don't want to get poor and get desperate and start stealing. He said, because that's not just a statement about me. It's a statement that would profane the name of my God, indicating that I am stealing because my God cannot be trusted to take care of me. It's a little boy went to the corner store with his mama regularly, and every time the old man behind the counter would say to the little boys they were checking out, son, reach in that barrel there and get you a handful of candy and put it in your mama's bag and take it with you. But every time the little boy would refuse, <laughs> they would go back and forth bantering until the old man would reach in there for him and get him a handful of candy. And on one occasion, mama is frustrated and as they're walking out, she says, son, why do you go through this routine with that old man every week we come here? You know you love candy. Why are you refusing and making him get it for you? And the little boy says, mama, you don't understand, but his hands are so much bigger than my hands. <laughs> There's a song we sing in our church, that time is filled with swift transitions. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. How is your prayer life? I'm thinking about uh, that message from H.B. Charles Jr. once again. I know I've talked with H.B. personally, and I know he is a man of prayer, and he has stories to tell of all of the ways God has answered those prayers. As a man, as a pastor, and a man in ministry, is such an encouragement to my soul and reminder of all the ways God has affirmed me through prayer by showing me that he loves us, he cares for us, and he listens to our prayers, and he answers our prayers. The question still remains, how is your prayer life? Have you seen God answering your prayers? Are you laying your burdens at the feet of Jesus? Are you struggling, and, and are you heartbroken over your prayers? Especially in talking with Margie Tripp earlier in the broadcast, especially with children and grandchildren who have walked away from the faith. Do we fully leave them entrusting them to God? I find that many people that I've interacted with, when they struggle with prayer, here is one of the issues that is most common, is we lay them at the feet of Jesus, but as soon as we leave, we pick them back up again, and we try to meddle with them, we try to fix them, we try to work them out in our own way, and we don't actually fully leave them in the trust and care of our Savior and our God. When it comes to prayer, it really is a matter of faith, trusting in God. When we ask him for our daily bread, we have to believe that God is not going to give us a stone. We can rely on him. We can trust him. And we can, we can believe that he will give us what is best, even if it isn't exactly what we were asking for. What a great blessing to have a God who answers us and knows better than us 
how to intercede for us on our behalf. I hope that we've been able to encourage you. It's always a blessing to look back over the course of our year. And of course, when we're doing so, it's, it's a reminder that we have opportunities all around us to be remembering and reflecting on how to give thanks. With Thanksgiving just around the corner, it's an opportunity for us to be encouraging each other, to remind each other how to, to count our blessings and name them one by one. I hope that that challenges you and encourages you. And if it has, I hope that you'll return that blessing through your contribution to this ministry. The only way that we can stay on the, uh, the air is through listener support. So your local radio station, we look at all of that and calculating what stations we can be on and what stations we can't be on. So if you want to hear the broadcast on a daily basis, then support the ministry here at Songtime. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our year in review as Timothy Keller takes us to the story of Abraham and how God makes covenants and he keeps his word. Lord, how can I know you'll come through? And it's absolutely astonishing that what God does is he appears and he passes between these pieces. He is saying, I have promised to bless you, Abraham, and if I don't do what I say, may I be cut off. God walked through the pieces alone. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't grow in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this Year in Review series, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.